y'all. This is your host, Elise Robinson, with the Nobody Wants to Work Though podcast, season two. I hope the stories inspire you to switch careers. I have done all kinds of interesting things in my life, and I'm a firm believer if you only live once. Sit back and enjoy. We are Switch Into Tech, tech resources to accelerate your career in information technology. Monthly classes on tech topics. We offer free or discounted exam vouchers, scholarships, free Udemy courses, free events, free boot camps, and more. You can find us at www.switchintotech.org. Computer, yeah. Hey, y'all. My name is Elise Robinson with the Nobody Wants to Work Though podcast. Today we have Kathy Nesbitt, and she's going to introduce herself and tell us where she began and where she's at now. Yay, Elise, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, so my working title is Kathy Crawley Laughing Bean Queen. <laughs> I'll break it down. <laughs> it's simple solutions for today's challenges, worms for amending the soil, sprouts for eating, grow your own, and laughter for overall health and wellness. It's the 22nd anniversary of my worm composting business. Wow. I'm located just north of Toronto in Canada. Um, and in 2002, the landfill for the greater Toronto area closed, and we started to export our garbage to the United States. A thousand trucks a week. Whew. Like, can you imagine? Like how, oh, I do, I, I do education now and talk about uh, worms in schools and put worms in schools. And it's just like, wow, like, who are we as Canadians to ship our garbage out of the country? You know, like it just seems not, and I don't mean the people, I'm not shaming the people. It's, sorry, we were talking about government, but it's the, like whoever, the decision makers, who decides that, how things are going to work. And I had a solution. So rather than keep us down, I'm going to bring us up. Yoop, hallelujah. <laughs> so in the greater Toronto area, 6 million people, half live in condos or townhouses without space for outdoor composting. So this is a way to manage our organic matter, our food waste, our paper, some of our paper waste, and then we get nutrient-rich soil so we can grow more nutrient-rich food. In North America, we've destroyed the soil. So this is a really big uh, mission that I have with, with that part. That's why I want to interview you because I was like, she deals with worms. And I tell my sister all the time, I want to get a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what the hell are you going to do with a chicken? I'm like, um, make eggs. And yeah, delicious <laughs> omelet. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about also doing like like mushrooms. Um, I, I don't think you do worms with mushrooms, but um, but uh, but yeah, I, I've, I've grown um, basil and radishes and arugula before. And the difference between what you buy in the store and what you grow yourself is 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 amazing. <laughs> no, it can't um, compare. Yeah, it, it can't compare. Um, I had another question for you. Toronto, um, it's probably, it's a, it's a, the major city in Canada, right? So yes, it's, it's like a concrete jungle kind of comparable to maybe probably New York. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, miniature New York. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Gotcha. I'm going to have to make my way up there, especially since I'm on the, the border now of, of Canada. So yes, come anytime. Well, not anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, eh, yeah. I mean, we've had a mild winter here in Ohio, though. It was like almost 50 degrees in, on Christmas, which is they tell me is abnormal, so I, I don't know. But, but yes, I will definitely come in the spring or the summertime. Um, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, you know, that that's a great question. I think that when I grew up, I grew, I'm, I'm 61 now, when I grew up, the message that I received as a young girl was there was kind of five things you could do. You could be a teacher, secretary, nurse, stewardess, waitress. Did I say waitress? Anyway, it seemed limited. So I didn't, to be honest, I never really thought about what I what I wanted to be because it seemed like it was already decided for me. Um, so I chose secretarial and, and I was really good secretary. <laughs> As a people pleaser, it was a great a great thing for me. And and you know, not to diminish it, working in the office was a great 
a great gig because it was, we talked about this, you know, you have regular hours, you have regular pay, you have weekends off, you kind of work nine to five, or at least at that time it was kind of that. I think it's more flexible now. And it's beautiful, you know, except, you know, you have your holidays when they tell you, they dictate a lot of stuff. But if you have a life outside of an office job, it's it's a beautiful thing because you have that money piece looked after. Um, and it gave me a lot of skills. It gave me a, a ton of skills that that are so valuable as an entrepreneur. You know, people are like, oh, I want to have my own business. It's like, have you ever had a job? And, and you know, not to diminish it. Like, I, I, I applaud people that want to be entrepreneurs. If you have a job and you see what the boss does, like the boss treats his employees like crap, and so they perform like crap because they're like, what do I care? And they, they come in right at the last minute and they leave right at the, right on time because why would they give extra? Because that guy, gal, guy or gal, that person doesn't. So then it's like if I, as an entrepreneur, I don't want to do that. I want to respect my people. So they respect me. It's about respect. It, that's life. You know, so you get a lot of skills of um, working places. <laughs> Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. You know, I've I've moved around a lot, and you know, um, as someone had that reviews my resume, they probably consider me crazy and insane. And I've had little sly comments before, but you know, it's given me so many things to be able to talk about. You know, um, I can talk about all kinds of things. I have all this experience that I take with me. Um, so I don't see it as a negative. And like you're saying, as an p- entrepreneur, you hire your own people, then you can set your own rules. And I don't see it as a negative. It's like, okay, you worked here and here and here. Oh, you got all kinds of experience that I can use, you know, instead of staying at one place for 10 years or whatever, you know, so I don't, I don't see it as a con, but circling back around to what she said, being a woman in your generation, um, my, my mother was, or she was a boomer, my father's a boomer, um, and of course I'm a millennial, so, you know, different generations, and yeah, I mean, you grew up during a time where women still couldn't do a lot of things. Uh, you know, it, it saddens me, and it's it's interesting that you say that you never thought about what you wanted to do because I mm-hmm. had the opportunity to do it, and that's why I do all the things that I do because I knew that my mother didn't have the opportunities that I did just being being a woman, not even entering in race, you know, mm-hmm. so – um, I take every opportunity and do everything scared, anxious, <laughs> insert word here, because, you know, I know that people before me didn't have those opportunities. Um, and I'm happy to see that you, you are able to do what you want to do now, whether it's, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and it's, and it's, it's now, you know. Um, so yeah. Um, Let's see what else. You know, I would say at least not for people not to discount their resume. Like all of these things, entrepreneurs love those things. Like you said, I got a job once because I put had on my resume that I played baseball. <laughs> and the company had a baseball team. And they needed a first baseman and I played first base. <laughs> right? So they're like, okay, it was between me and the other person. So the baseball tipped it over the edge. Like, we all have, like, all these skills. We can all keyboard and we can do all these things. What are the extra things that are going to, you know, when, when, when you're working in a, a space with other people, it's it's not just about the job. It's about the collective. Like, it's about the the community that you're building. You know, if there's one person that you don't get along with and that causes seem trouble with, with everybody, they they they're counterproductive. I think nowadays that that doesn't matter. I it's to the point where companies don't want to train even a little bit and they want someone that can just slide into a position. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you don't have upteenth years of experience doing this this and this and you know, it it just really doesn't matter anymore and it's and that's another reason why I started the podcast. It's it's really scary out here. It's really scary. Um, and that's another reason why I tout working for the government because they, they're one of the few employers that still train. Um, 
So, you know, if and especially if you want to do like a career switch or, you know, do something adjacent to what you want to do. So, for example, you know, I used to be an auditor. Most people wouldn't even give me a chance as an accountant, you know, because I didn't do it before, um, even though I studied the same thing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it's it's a rock and a hard place. And, you know, I always wanted to be entrepreneur ever since I ever could read and write. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, and I, of course, I've tried all different types of things. <laughs> I, I'm curious to know how many times, how many businesses have you started? <laughs> to be an oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I had a handwriting analysis business. I had a little magnet before they had magnets and cards. My brother-in-law worked at a company that had the peel off and then the, the magnet. So you stick your business card and then you have a something to hand out that I had. So it was called the right impression was my business, like with the magnets, R-I-G-H-T. And we had right impression, handwriting analysis, W-R-I-T-E for handwriting. That was my husband and I. Um, we went, we traveled in Africa and Asia for 20, for 13 months. And we started a business of voyage exports. <laughs> Voyex. Yeah. So lots, yeah. Lots of little things, you know, little this is what stuck, stuck. And you know what's really interesting, Elise, is I don't even have repeat customers, not many repeat customers with the worms because they breed more than rabbits. So if if if, there, if it's working out, if if people are manage, managing the worm bin properly, um, they breed a lot. And then they, you know, I meet people who are like, oh, I gave some to my kid's school and I, to my neighbor, I'm like, ah, stop giving your worms away. It's bad for my business. <laughs> but I've often flowed. Like I do a lot. I've realized that, People didn't understand what this is that I'm doing. Like, what? why would I have worms in the house? What's the point? You know, I can just throw the stuff in the garbage and, and it gets taken care of. That's true, but not in the proper way, right? It's Then it's mixed with... Anyway, so it's just manage, better management of, of what the resources we have. And turning it... Like North America, we've destroyed the soil. So the worms are creating this black gold that we can apply back on the land so we can grow more nutrient-rich food with less chemicals. So, you know, we're kind of saving all around. We're not hauling the stuff away, the waste management. We're using it on site. Um, yeah, it's it's really beautiful. It's, ah, it's like the infinity sign. You know, we eat the food. We give the scraps to the worms. They can Their poop is the soil. And then we grow more food. And, you know, when you grow your own food, it tastes better. You don't want to waste it because you, you tended to it. You watered it. You weeded around it, you know, so it tastes delicious. It's super fresh. Um, yeah, it's and, – and you can't be on your technology when you're in the soil. Like when you're gardening, your technology has to be put away so you're more present because you're connected to the earth. You know, I know you're in the tech world, but, I you know, we really need to have boundaries. I think – Technology came on so fast. It's such a, even though it's, you know, whatever, I know it's here decades now, but really in the span of of humanity, technology is kind of a small window and I don't, it's the Wild West. And we're on it all the time and, and now we have wearables and we have all these things, so they're just with us all the time. So we're always on. Um, so when we're gardening, at least we're um, connected to the land and we're we can slow down and just think for a bit. No, I have to agree with that. Because um, I, I won't even lie. When I was growing my, my basil and my arugula and uh, what else did I have? Arugula, radishes. Um, yeah, it was it was fun. I'm, you know, I'm digging in there and stuff. And, and once you see it sprout and you can actually use it, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. And basil never dies. It's just... <laughs> I left it there for a whole like month, month, month and a half, and didn't yeah. water it, and it was. I came back home, and it was still there. <laughs> so if you oh, don't have a here. green thumb, basil is it. <laughs> like it never dies. <laughs> right, and it's such a beautiful thing. And the herbs, like the the lettuces and all the vegetables, are are food. Like their medicine as well, or like their vitamins and stuff. But the herbs are really, that's the medicine, because it's really concentrated. So the herbs have even more power 
like for our health than um, regular vegetables. Yeah, and then we smell it because even the stuff in the store, like it doesn't really have a smell like it should. <laughs> yeah, how old is it, right? Yeah, but you touched on another thing about destroying the the soil and the environment. And, you know, as a kid, they were always talking about destroying the forest and things like that. And I just never understood if you were going to cut down something, why didn't you replant it? You know, like there's this movie called um, Fern Gully. I'm I'm showing my age, (laughs) but Fern Gully and it's a cartoon and they're basically in their cutting down the forest and the machine is, is like the, the criminal of the story. And um, you can see all the animals running and all this other kind of stuff. And there's a, a, a fairy and she's all like, why don't we replant the trees? You know, like it, it did make sense to me. So, um, I mean, I guess now we kind of have like campaigns and stuff to replant, but it just never made sense to me to cut something down and not replant it. <laughs> Right. I, I, it's, yeah, it seems obvious <laughs> that you can't just keep taking, but that seems to be like, we're so smart. It's this piece that gets in our, in the way. It's this frontal lobe that we think we're superior to the planet. Right. You know, we just think we're above everything and we can just do what we want because we're so smart and we are smart. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Uh, let's see. What was the catalyst that got you into into the worms? Because, I mean, nobody wakes up one day and say, hey, you know, I'm going to do worms. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. No, no. So, oh, yeah, thank you. So I worked as a secretary for 20 years, all the while getting my psych degree. The last 10 years I worked uh, as a temporary secretary for a temporary agency. And you have to be pretty independent to, to do that. It's kind of like that today with the gig economy, I guess but where you're just doing like a couple of days here and there or holidays or mat leave or whatever. Um, And I loved it. So I was getting my psych degree. It was like I I was getting paid to go to university Um, because when you work, well, at least at that time, when, when you worked as a temporary worker, the impression was that you must not be very smart because you can't hold a full-time job. Right. So I didn't get any hard jobs. I would just, you know, I was off in reception or whatever, just doing not and not menial jobs. Those are important jobs as well. You need the the gatekeeper is pretty important job, actually. Um, So I was able to I would answer the phone if people came in, I would greet them. But I was doing my homework. I was reading. I was writing my essays. So I was getting paid to it was awesome. It took me 15 years to get my psych degree um, because I didn't care about going to school. I didn't care about the paper. I just loved learning and meeting the people. When you go at night, you meet different people because you're there, you're motivated to be there. Okay, so I I graduated in 2000, and I sound so young anyway, having graduated in 2000. (laughs) And I got a job at a group home working with challenged adults. And I thought I had come home. Oh, first of all, I moved out of Toronto in 93 and bought a house, and a teacher friend asked me to look after her worm bin. That was my first introduction to the worms. So that was the first seed, 93. And I didn't want to have worms in my house, but I think that we should try things for ourselves. Like, don't allow someone to go, oh, you won't like that. Oh, good. Thanks for saving me the time. Right? Yeah. So I took on the challenge as an avid gardener and composter. Had worms in my house. I didn't want to have worms in my house. When I fed them, I'd open the lid, throw the food in. So it was a bit of a disaster in that I had a... I was a fruit fly farmer. And the fruit fruit flies, they don't cause any trouble for, for people. They just bug us, right? They don't carry disease. And they're decomposers. They just worked nicely with the worms. So I kept the worms alive. But when it was time to separate, I put on big gloves. I wanted the black gold for my garden. Okay, so, I, so then I said, I'm never going to do worm composting again. Fast forward to 2000, I get my, this job at the group home. They had a 10 homes and a farm, and they didn't compost. And I was like, wow, why don't they compost? And I talked to, they had a vocational program where the clients would go to the farm, they would work, and they would do, like, different jobs. They even had, a like, a greenhouse, <laughs> but they didn't compost. So when I questioned them about composting, they said, we don't need fertilizer because we have cows. So they had manure, um, and I thought, wow, 
this that's when I realized people don't connect what they're doing. They're creating all this food waste and then paying all this money over here to get rid of it. Like that money could be better spent on programming or something else, a party, <laughs> you know, than just bye-bye in the truck. <laughs> so I proposed a composting program. And the greenhouse manager said, what about worm composting? Have you ever done anything where you're like, oh, so excited about it and then it doesn't work? When I was introduced to worm composting and I was like, ooh, no, never again. Now, seven years later, it's being introduced again. Hey, what about worm composting? I'm like, ah, that feeling in the pit of the stomach. No, I don't want to do that again. But it was an institution. They weren't getting worms anytime soon. So I came home from work that day. I started to do some research and discovered the magic of the red wigglers. I'd already had my introduction, like my Ugros, my my experience with the worms, and now I'm looking them up. And I discovered, like the red wigglers, they eat half their weight per day in food scraps. They're the original alchemists. They turn garbage into gold for, like, their plant food. Wow. We don't need to truck it around. So I, I had this huge epiphany. I went from, ew, worms are gross, yuck, not again, to, oh, my gosh, I, we need this. And, yeah, and wow, so that was kind of how that happened. And then and then I got injured at work. And, well, kind of speeding up that part of the story, I came home from work. There was an article in the paper. It said, are you a woman? Do you have a business idea? And I was like, yes, yes. I turned to my husband. I said, I'm quitting my job. I'm taking this course. I'm going to start a worm business. <laughs> because that's that's really how it happens there's, there's like signs and symbols <laughs> and we sometimes pay attention. at the right time pay. and you have to circle back around and it just yeah. it just grabs you and catches you <laughs> that, that's it but we got to be aware like right 93 I, I would never would have said you know i'm doing i'm gonna be have a worm business what no way so we're, you know, I'm divinely guided. Everybody, well, we all are, but we don't all pay attention. <laughs> and I, I, I believe that I'm, I like, I, I get all these messages. Looking back, without, like, I don't, I didn't know about being an entrepreneur. I just had a great idea, and so I sent for, I set forth. You know, I, I, yeah, that's it. So what did your family and friends say? Did they think you were insane to be playing around with worms? Yeah. Yeah, like just get a job and and be safe and you know just toe the line. Come on, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> they thought no. the worms have diseases. <laughs> oh man! You know, um, yeah, you know, it's like I'm an overnight success. Here it is, twenty two years. Uh-huh. Twenty two years. A lot of businesses don't make it more than a year. You know, if you make it five years, you made it. And here I am, twenty two years. I'm here. You know, was it easy? No way. Not at all. Like 2002. So my partner was gainfully employed. I I kind of had a safety net in that he was he was working. And won't this be fun? I'll have this little worm business. That'll be fun. And then um, 2002, there was a garbage strike in Toronto, in Toronto. So we're already shipping our garbage out of the country. Now there's a garbage strike. We're not shipping anything anywhere. And it's just piling up in the summer, of course, when it's hot. And I, watching the news, people were lining up for hours to drop off their garbage. And I went on a road, I went on a road trip, but not, not before sending out press releases to the Toronto outlets. And I got my first article in the Toronto Star on, uh, in uh, July 18th, 2002. And I called up my husband and I'm like, yeah, I got an article in the Toronto Star, right? Largest paper for Canada. And with all those condos, that's my people. Those are the ones I need to reach. And he said, that's nice or something. I'm on my way home. I just got downsized. Like he lost his job the same day that I had my article in the star. Now I joke and I'm like, couldn't he have just got downsized tomorrow so I could celebrate my article in the star? <laughs> then I'm like, like, holy crap, we don't we don't have any income now. And we sell worms by the pound and nobody wants what we have. Uh-oh. Yikes. The universe is a funny place. If it happened six months earlier that he got downsized, I don't think I would have had the courage. Fascinating, right? Oh, yeah. No, you don't have to tell me because I, I know how the universe works. 
<laughs> I'm playing it all the time. Um, let's see. Mm, you, you talked about a lot already. I can't even ask you these. <laughs> um, Chatty Kathy. <laughs> no, no, no. It's good. It's good. That means that you know you already you already tapped it and tuned in. Um, there was a question I wanted to ask you about because uh, I've read about composting, and from what I read, you can't do meat. So, or can you do meat? Because I, I read that you're not supposed to compost meat. Yeah, so um, if you're composting outside, meat is, you You want to leave the meat out, meat and anything processed, um, anything with spices or anything, because that, or the meat particularly will attract rodents and um, wildlife will be attracted to your composter. They're not attracted to the fruit and veg. They're carnivores for the most part. <laughs> um, so that's why, I mean, you can put meat in a worm bin you can even compost meat i mean it's not that anything is going to happen it's just that you might get critters the meat will compost the meat will break down eventually right it's it's organic matter too but you don't want the rodents and and same in a worm bin um indoor you wouldn't want to put meat even though i just said you could the worms would eat meat it's not that they're they are not vegetarian um but the meat has a tendency to rot faster than the worms can keep up so you may get a rotting smell and you don't want that it's in the house yeah. Okay, that's good to know then, because yeah, everything I read, they're like, you can't do meat. I'm like, well, I don't have time to be separating meat from everything else, <laughs> you know. Um, and I guess that's that's my next question. How do you convince people to compost? Because you know, people like me, I'm like, I don't have time to be sitting up there separating the meat from the noodles, from the the fruits and vegetables that I eat, and yeah, no. How do you convince people? Yeah, it's it's it really comes down to education. When people understand why we're doing this, the benefit of doing this, um, it's an easier buy-in. And at the beginning, I did try to convince people. I was like, no, no, you need this. I, I think it's it's more educating route now, like just kind of wooing them in, because if you know, I have a psych degree, so I'm really fascinated by people, and I love asking these quite like I'm curious about why people do what they do and I, I learned early on that in my business that people were um, traumatized as children by worms like after after a rainy day you know in the schoolyard a sibling maybe a fishing incident um, so if you were traumatized as a child that's down there that's in your belly that's in your DNA now so as an adult you might not be looking as worms as a solution you might you're not like let's invite the worms in the house so i so there's breaking through that barrier and i was doing like a lot of um exhibiting and people would come up oh what you've got here and i'd say worms and then they'd say oh jimmy get back it's dirty because they had now they're putting their fear on their children and you know i so i i was like oh my gosh if people are afraid of worms there's it's kind of another barrier because they're not even hearing my message they're just like shutting off. Oh, let's get to the next booth. Let's get away from here without hearing. Like, I don't I don't care if you buy or you don't buy, if you have worms or you don't. But if you don't know about it, you can't do it. Without awareness, action is impossible is my favorite expression, one of my favorite expressions. And it had to do with my worms. I was like, ah, if I keep meeting people that don't know about this, that means they're not doing it. Bad for the planet. And and here's why, you know, the, the word... I started my business as a waste management tool. We were exporting our garbage to the U.S., and I wanted to stop that because that meant our tax dollars were going for transporting our garbage out of the country. There's a better use uh, for all that money and for the planet, like all that, the exhaust from the trucks, like the whole thing is ridiculous um, when, when there's a better way. So I, I, I really did set forth and thought, everybody needs this. Um, as I was trying to browbeat people into doing it, convincing them, I was pushing them away. They're like, there's no way in hell I'm doing this. <laughs> but I had a lot of cheerleaders. Yay, good for you. Do you have worms? No, I don't want to get worms, but good for you. And I realized I needed to get to the children because the adults were already set. They've already, they're already in their safety net. So I, I, I took on school workshops and now, um, 
over 75,000 students have seen my presentation. I love that piece. I still, it's still one of my favorite things going into the classroom, standing in front of a group of, I, I would say like grade two or grade three is my favorite because they're still open to possibilities and they're still like, they're, they're not too cool to get, get their hands dirty and get in there and be curious. And I've met children, I've met children that I was in their grade three class or, or elementary class and now they've graduated from college and they became environmental lawyers or environmental advocates because they had worms in their grade three class. So it's, you know, we are making, I know you know, but we're making a difference every single day in people's lives. We don't know. We don't always know the impact that we, you know, saying hello to somebody on the street, noticing somebody, hey, can I give you a hand? You know, like just seeing somebody, um, we, we could be changing their life. We don't know. And we never know. We just sometimes never get that privilege. I have had the honor more than once knowing that I've made an impact. So I want to inspire people to to think about how they can serve more, how they can live a bigger life by helping other people. The more we serve, the more we deserve. You know, and, and, and it's it's not living that safe, you know, following the path. It's 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 forging your own path. Like who knew that I could have a worm business and sell sprouts? Like I'm a true entrepreneur. I'm I'm hustling everywhere I go, I'm talking about what I'm doing. Because of people without awareness. And it's not like I'm trying to push it on them. I just want them to know. And then if they're looking for that, or they know somebody that's looking for that, then they know, oh, that, that that's out there. It exists. No, I love that. I do. I do. Um, I never even thought about the fear factor of it, but you brought it up. Um, I guess because I used to go fishing as a kid, and so I, I wasn't really too scared of the worms. I put it on the hook, and it's all squirmy and stuff, the big old nightcrawler ones. Um, so that didn't cross my mind of being scared of it, but you're so right that some people are, are terrified of worms and and I get it. Cause I was, I guess I'm scared. I was scared as a kid of the ones that just crinkled up into nothing on the sidewalk after rain, mm. but you know, I guess fishing kind of cured that. Um, as an adult now, I don't know if I want to touch worms, but I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't back away from it, but, uh, but yeah, I guess, I guess getting the kids would be, would be the key. Cause once you said in your ways of my age, you ain't, you ain't going back to that. So I, I get it. Um, I guess my other question would be if you think that it should be something that should be like a enforced program. Um, to kind of force people, especially people that live in big cities, to to compost. Um, I mean, I I just moved and I I furnished up my upstairs apartment and now I'm furnishing my downstairs apartment, and I had a room full of garbage. And not to say that worms would help with that, but it was ridiculous how much garbage I had. Um, and I'm you know it's it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I don't even know what to say here. So for it's ridiculous. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there has to be something to, to force this because I mean, I don't know how true it is that there's, you know, 8 billion people on the earth now, but at a certain point, something, something has to give. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not sure about enforcement. I'm not sure about Gov- like government being the one enforcing it because there's holes in that. Like, do, I don't know what kind of recycling program you have in Ohio, um, but we've got recycling in each province, each municipality, each little town, their recycling program is different. And so if you move from one place to another, you might have been able to put styrofoam in one box um, but you move to another town and they're like, no, there's no aftermarket. We can't take styrofoam. So we don't take it just for optics. Like no point in taking it if it just goes in landfill anyway. Right. Um, so there's so much confusion with those programs. And, and now when we in, in Canada, when, when our landfill closed for Toronto area, we didn't have a, a green bin. So now we have we have the blue bin. We have a green bin. A green bin program is our organic waste. So that program, the re- the recycling program is really contaminated. It's it's awful. Most of that stuff ends up in landfill. It does. 
I'm really immersed in the industry. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, the waste from your, you know, your renovations and, um, yeah, cleaning, tidying things up, getting stuff ready. Um, so with the food waste program, now it, they take the organic matter. So there's a separate bin for that. The problem with that is if people don't care, how do we teach care? If it's, and I mean, those, you can't put your, batteries in there you can't put your household waste in there you can't put your old paint in there or turpentine or bleach or whatever liquid that you have left over that's toxic you can't just put it in there but if you don't care you might be like i'm not going to the household hazardous waste depot i gotta drive there and that's a nuisance i'm i don't care so i'm going to throw my batteries in that green bin now we've got mercury and cadmium in with our composting program not cool because we're growing our food in that compost. That means the roots are in that compost. And um, so that's a problem when we, when we expect. It, it has to come from the individual. I think we do need regulations. Otherwise, people aren't going to do anything. I get that. We do need some structure. I'm just not sure. It, it needs to come from the grassroots up. And then have the people say, government, this is what we want. And then the government can create programs based on what the people have asked for, if that makes sense. Um, and, and there are people with construction. There's really incredible, wonderful things doing with recycling construction waste. They take apart, like take all the steel, all the concrete, all the, you know, the particle board, whatever, all the wood. And, and it's separated out. If it's usable, they, they use it. If not, they grind it down and they make roads out of it, um, old tires and stuff, they're doing the same, you know, making shoes and making, you know, so we're, so we are, I, I, and we do need to get there because we are running out of resources. There is a lot of us now and, and we are so smart. We can't just keep on slashing and burning because we've shown that, you know, the planet's heating up, whatever people think of it, the, the climate is changing. Some of it is natural cycle of, how things go but come on now people some of it if we look at if we really pay attention to the science the world is heating up faster than it has in in past and we need to do something the planet will survive the planet i believe the planet will survive but humanity may not in this in our current <laughs> no, I, I I totally agree with you on that. Um, and I'm so glad we're having this conversation because yeah, I look at uh like Earth ships where the you know the houses are made out of bottles and and things like that. And I um you know I'm like oh it's so cute you know, but it's it's saving the environment at the same time. So it's like okay, what do we do? And you know they're taking like you said rubber and making all kinds of stuff out of it. Um. So, um, I don't know. I think, I think the word needs to get out and people, I, I, th I, I don't want to say forced, but like you're saying about the kids, it has to start at a younger age and, you know, we get to a point where, you know, it's just ingrained. And I also have to say, I've lived in lots of places. So yes, like you're saying, every place has a different program. I'm born and raised in California. All I've ever known is is a recycle bin and a green waste bin, you know. Yeah. Um, so that was ingrained in me from from basically birth. That's what we did. And when I moved to somewhere else and they didn't have that, and I'm like, oh, my God, they're just throwing everything in the garbage. And, you know, in some places, if you live in an old city like, say, Boston, they don't have garbage disposal, so it's not even going, you know, down. Everything is going into the garbage can. Um, I know places in Texas that don't have, you know, a recycle program and stuff. And I was like, when I got to Ohio, I'm like, oh, they have a recycle program. <laughs> so, you know, I'm putting everything in the recycle bin. Um, so, yeah, I guess I guess the the first thing is get everybody just in on one accord and. Can we? Awareness. <laughs> uh, again, back to without awareness, action is impossible if we don't know. So California, I didn't know you came from California. Of course, mm -hmm. California is very progressive in all of these environmental ways. And it, and yeah, if only we could share our not like what are, what's working? What isn't, you know, um, like why, why are all this, each state, each province, each area is separate. If only we could share best practices 
what are you guys doing for water? What are you doing with your organic matter? You know, and um, I know there's there's conferences. I'm not I'm not suggesting that they don't talk at all. It just seems like um, governments often it feels like you know whoever's in power wants their ideas to come to to come to pass, right? So they have a three or four year window, three or four year window versus looking at seven generations back and forth like the indigenous do. Yeah, it's it's funny because like the government will have like a, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 year, 40 year plan. And then like you're saying, somebody will get in there, whether it's the governor, mayor, city council, um, and a, another elected official of a, of a government organization. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll push their ideas. Um, so it's, it's just, it's a, it's a whole mess. <laughs> so, but again, something, something has to give because, yeah, I just, it, it really, I don't want to say open my eyes because my eyes have always been open to the mess that garbage is um, and destroying the environment is. But I'm just like, I had a, a huge room full of nothing but boxes. And I'm just like, this is a, this is a mess. <laughs> Um, and I literally had to have junk removal come and remove it because there's no way I could have recycled all that just, Mm -hmm. you know, just in a little bin by myself. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, those companies, um, I'm not sure in the States, but we've got companies that come junk removal and then they will take care of the recycling things and they do separate it out. I don't know what they do, but it costs me a pretty penny. I do know that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's not cheap. <laughs> oh, so there's that. Um, let's see. What are some positives and negatives of your entrepreneurship journey? Mm, positives first. Why not? Um, oh, so many. Oh my gosh, so many. One, I will say, um, I chose media as my marketing strategy. After having that article in the Star, I was like, oh, it's this is really great having somebody uh, somebody write about you for free versus paying for an advertisement. Like, first of all, it has much more street cred when somebody else is saying it than you as the business owner is saying, put this in and I'll give you money for it. (laughs) So in uh, 2012, I was um, on Twitter (laughs) and because that's where the journalists used to hang out because that was real time news. I don't know where the news is now. And five minutes after sending out my, uh, oh, I sent out a, um, what did I do? It was an organization in Guatemala doing uh, worm composting. And I just sent out a link to their website and said, what a cool organization. Red Wiggler, wor- Red Wiggler Worms are the way or something, some such. And five minutes after sending my uh, that tweet out, the executive director wrote me and said, when can you come to Guatemala? We need you. Like, I was like, what? And so I, I was like, oh, my gosh, that was so exciting. I was telling everyone, oh, my gosh, I, Guatemala wants me to come. And then my next thought is, like, it's a poor country. How can they – they can't pay for me to come, and I'm not independently wealthy, so how am I going to get there? And you got to tell people what, what happens, the cool things in your life. I was telling one friend, and she I said, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but how cool that Guatemala wants me to come to – to, to work with worms in Guatemala, how fun. And she said, I'm going to host a fundraiser. So in one night, we raised $3,000. We screened a movie. I have a documentary. We, we screened um, Dirt the Movie, which is all about the, you know, the little topsoil that, that our food grows in. It's a very thin layer of right at the top. Um, yeah, and so people donated. We had five works of art, five paintings. Local businesses donated, you know, whatever, bibs and bobs, and um, yeah, $3,000. So I got to Guatemala and back. I got to leave some money there. I met six different women's women's groups around the country. That was like, what a positive. I never would have had that opportunity if I wasn't in my own business. Like setting my own hours. I mean, another one was... I just got an idea. We talked about being divinely guided. I was walking in the forest. I got this idea. My husband and I were talking, and I had a thought. It just dropped in, and I say what comes in my head. 
he, he knows that though. <laughs> and I, I said, I want to go to PEI, one of our provinces. I want to go to PEI and do a workshop. And then I just got on, you know, talking about what we were talking about. Two days later, I came home and he said, guess who called? And I said, I don't know. And he said, PEI called and they want you to come and do a workshop. I was like, no, like my exact words. Um, you know, so I, so these cool experiences have happened. I've, I've spoken at things because I say yes. When people say, can you do this? I don't think, ooh, can I do that? I just say yes. And then I figure it out. And what are the negatives? Negative, I guess, were, I, I, I wouldn't call them negative so much as maybe just learning curves or like things that I might do different if I was starting all over again. And that is, um, you know, I chose something that is really kind of word, the word worm is even not so pleasant. People kind of freak out by the word, you know, can of worms. It's not usually a good expression, like now you've opened a can of worms. <laughs> Tapeworm, you know, or is a parasite. Like, just worm is a, a negative connotation. Um, yeah, so I think I, I think that was one of the pieces that I didn't consider was having to educate about worms, like get getting over that piece. It's like again, it's not really a negative, but just something that I didn't consider when I jumped into this. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. Um, and uh, I I learned Spanish in Guatemala, so I have I have def I was in Antigua um, to learn Spanish for a couple of months, and I have a teacher. And I keep telling myself I have to go back to go visit my teacher. Um, but yeah, but Guatemala is beautiful. So so beautiful. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, beyond beautiful. And I got a chance to go up the volcano and mm. and and all that stuff. And oh, the chocolates to die for. <laughs> I don't know if you got the coffee. I, I don't do coffee, but I, I'll I, that chocolate man. I've never had chocolate that good. <laughs> I brought back like uh like a big case full like this and ate on it for months. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say you gave it away. No, I, should, I, could, I probably should have sold it, but I mean, it was too good. And then I learned that, I mean, when they make the hot chocolate, all they're doing is dropping a piece of chocolate in there and pouring hot water on it. I'm like, that's all you do? There's no powder? Right? So, so simple. Yeah. Oh, man. But yes, Guatemala um, has a special place in my heart because that's where I learned Spanish. Um, mm. Let's see. What are some traits that would make someone successful in this career? Ah, that's that's a great question. Um, mm, not taking yourself serious too seriously. We get all in our head. Um, yeah, some good traits are take action. Like knowledge is power, they say, but not without action. Action is required. Um, so, you know, we get these thoughts that pour into our head and we get all fired up. Oh, that's so great. I'm going to do that. If we don't take action, either by writing it down or taking a step to make it come to life, um, it gets lost. Or that voice in our head will talk us out of it. Or we might talk to someone and they talk us out of it. Like, remember last time. Because people don't want, like, we don't like change and other our, our network doesn't like us to change. Because if we change, they have to change. Like if we have a bad habit and they have a bad habit and we do this bad habit together and then we want to stop the bad habit, they're they're going to do what they can to keep us in that bad habit so they can not have to change their bad habit, you know, and, and not to get into any any specifics, but you know what I mean? Just <laughs> so, yeah, take action. Don't take yourself too seriously. It's not what you know. It's who you know. And that's a fact. Um, that, that's really a fact. You talked about having to go to so many interviews. If you could have worked your way in to find somebody that could have referred you, like that's, that's, cause then you, you need to prove yourself. You need to know stuff. It's not like you can BS your way all the way in. You got, you got to know stuff, but it, but it's, if you can get an introduction in to whatever it is you want to do or where you want to go or who you want to meet, then it, it just makes it easier. Cause then, then they kind of, they give you a, you know, a warm lead, like they, they might, you know, they might give you a recommendation, they might give you just introduce you by email or 
you know, by TikTok or however you do it today. <laughs> I've, I've never even really been on TikTok like that, so that ain't that ain't me. That's I guess that's the the next generation behind me, below me. But but no, I did I did have um, introductions and referrals. That's the sick part. But I I think that part of the reason was. You know, the the economy just started to decline around that time because yeah. around that same time, you know, I used to have all types of recruiters in my inbox and that just that just fell off a, a damn cliff. So mm-hmm. I think hiring just, you know, they're silently freezing and not really saying anything about it. Because, um, yeah, I know plenty of people that work in the in the industry and you know got referrals and introductions and that that did nothing. So. Oh. <laughs> Um, is that since yeah. 2020 or that was in that was the end part of 2022? Yeah, I think COVID did a big number on on all industries, and yeah, I I, I think everything everything shifted. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, yeah. you know the money was flowing, you know, all types of money was flowing, and then it just did it, and then yeah, it's. That's just what it is. You know, interest rates started going up and, you know, and that that was pretty much it. <laughs> let's let's uh, uh, let's freeze it. Let's let's cut it. So since that happened, I was like, well, let me go back to the other part that I know. And that's that's what I did. And yeah, that's another reason why I started this podcast, because you have to have skills on top of skills on top of skills so you can pivot. Because when one thing is not doing good, then another will be doing good. And you don't want to be stuck, um, you know, just having this one skill. And that's that's all you can do. So um, you're you're a perfect example of that, and I'm so happy that you know you love what you do, and um, you finally got to you can finally say this is what I wanted to be when I grow up. <laughs> right? Oh, I'm not even there yet, though. You know, I've really I, I said my working title weren't weren't what is it? Um, Kathy Crawley, Laughing Bean Queen. So we talked about the Crawley part, worms. Um, bean queen, that's the sprouting part. And laughter, laughter is what I'm really bringing now because since 2020, like we have this global mental health tsunami. And it was here before 2020. It was here um, just in 2020. It was way more apparent because it was bigger because mm, like how do you torture people? You keep them isolated. And we were all, you know, anyone that lived on lives on their own or, you know, in long-term care, uh, folks with dementia, like, how do they understand? Why is my family outside? Why can't they come in? What's happening? Like, they, why is everyone wearing masks? Like, really scary. And and I think a lot of people are still in that trauma. I think a lot of people were really traumatized during, like, the last three years. It met, like, it was divisive ideologies. People were, you know, on both sides. And and cherry picking even facts like oh I believe that bunk into my belief basket oh like I mean left and right it doesn't matter which side it just seemed if things were believable and you know with AI and so much like deception like we don't even know what's real and what's imagined anymore so um, I, yeah I think I think that since 2020 we've we've we're in this global mental health tsunami so now I'm, I'm really focused on laughter wellness because laughter is the fastest happiness hack it's not so laughter yoga is not doing yoga and laughing it's the, it's not jokes or comedy it's laughing as an exercise the yoga part is the deep diaphragmatic breathing and the practice of the laughter it is a practice and it's not just laughing at a you know a sitcom or something for haha and then you if you keep laughing you miss the next joke it's laughing, ha ha ha, with you know, with intention, and and yeah. So that's that's where I'm really focused right now because I want people to care about the planet, so I can sell them worms, <laughs> or the, so they get worms. But when we're in a mental crisis, we really can't care about anything else except how do I get out of this feeling. And I and you know the stress part of the brain I've learned so much over the last I would say four years. Uh, I took a deep dive, like lots of time to learn, right? <laughs> During the first two years, at least. Um, yeah, on 
like, why do people say laughter is the best medicine? What does that mean? And it's a global expression. And it's not, laughter is not, there's no language. Laughter is the, the language. Laughter is universal. Everybody laughs. And, yeah, so, so laughter is the best medicine. We just need to laugh. And then our problems are lessened. Because when we're laughing, we're fully present. Our brain is fully oxygenated. We're secreting the love drugs, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins versus cortisol and adrenaline when we're stressed. Like there's so many, so many things. Our frequency gets raised. When we laugh, it's like when we sing or when we dance or when we do anything that, that brings us joy, we just feel good. We, we just feel enlightened or when we're having fun with friends you know we're yeah we're engaged we're alive versus you know when we're thinking about oh my god I don't have enough money I don't have a job I can't feed my kids you know all all these night like oh there's war like there's so many things going on right now how are we even still standing there's so much going on that's why laughter we don't need to know we don't need to talk about all the stuff, because that's going on ad nauseum. We see that. We hear it on the news. We see it on social. It's everywhere. We don't need to talk about that anymore. We need to laugh and release. It's like the pressure cooker going off. This just releases the, pre- the, the tension, the pressure. No, definitely. I told my sister my next career is going to be uh, psychiatry. <laughs> be psychiatrist, because... Yeah, I mean, it did. It definitely did a number on people. I mean, shoot, it did a number on me. I was, I was stuck in another country. I didn't know if I would see my family ever again. So, I mean, wow. that was surprising. Um, yeah, you know. So, luckily, you know, I have my adoptive family. I call my adoptive family my Mexican family. Yes, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was very, very scary. Luckily, though, I, my, my sibling, my sister is in, um, is in healthcare. So I I knew what was going on on the inside um, because she was uh, she was on the front lines and she tra- wow. she traveled during that time. So when I eventually did get back in the states, I would travel with her sometimes and go to the the different places that she was in. Um, so you know I had I had a lot of insider knowledge. Um, so that kind of calmed me down a lot. But uh, for those that didn't. I I can't even I can't even imagine. Um but yeah, I mean it's it, yeah, it's you know, it's definitely definitely needed. Um I don't know. At least you're in Canada to where healthcare isn't tied to to employment. <laughs> and you can be an entrepreneur and you know get get the help that you needed, but but that's a whole nother subject in itself in, in America. But uh, last question, what would you tell someone that wanted to to career switch? I would say write down a list of things that you love to do. Another part of being honest, being on the success track is uh, to do stuff that you love to do. Of course, if you have a business, um, you need to, you're, you're going to be doing several jobs, especially at the beginning and things that you don't like. But if, if the most of, most of the things that you do during your day are enjoyable or you like doing those tasks, tasks, uh, it's, you're, it's going to be better. So write a list of things. What do I like to do? What are my skills? Because, you know, I think we forget that the skills that if we've always had the same type of job, we might not realize that Skills that we have, that we use in that position, are transferable. We can use those skills over here. For example, I was a secretary for for 20 years. I didn't even know. It, it seems, sounds ridiculous saying it out loud. Um, but I didn't know at the time that my skills as a secretary would be applicable in the marketing department or customer service. You know, oh, there's a job in customer service, so I don't know anything about that. Are you kidding? I was the president's secretary. I, I, it was customer service <laughs> at the top level, right? I mean, once they couldn't get what they wanted from customer service, they came to the president if I let them in. 
you know, so I think that we need to look at what we've got and get confident, like build up your confidence, whatever you have to do, because it, it you know, the, the employers will hire people that are confident, even though they might be the pain in the ass employees, because they're going to stand up for themselves. But if you're sitting, you know, when often if you go in person for interviews, their desk is higher than yours. So they're kind of looking over you. So they already have the power dynamic where they're superior to you. So you need to, rather than be small in your chair, and definitely don't be looking on your cell phone just before, because when you're on your cell phone, you have the physiology of depression. So before you're, for, to be success, successful, when you're going to have any business meetings or you're going to have an interview, do a, some power posing, like stand with your hips, hands on your hips, look in the mirror, you know, do your hands over your head, the victory pose, um, and look at yourself in the mirror and, and think, I got this. You're, uh, you're like, and, and it matters, like it does work. It really does work because we just need to override that part of our brain that wants to keep us safe. Conserve energy, keep you safe. You don't want to look ridiculous. That's your ego. So we need to override that by being confident. And if your brain is, you know, you have that monkey chatter going on, you can literally command your brain to, you know, thank you. Thank you for sharing. I know you have opinions. I've got this. I'm the adult in the room. Just go and take a rest for a moment and let me just focus on this. And you can really talk to your brain and ask it to take a breath, like to go look up, focus on breathing for now. <laughs> Okay. Um, that's that's all the questions I got for you. Um, I I really enjoyed this conversation because I never I never in my life thought I would ever talk to somebody that that loved worms and sold worms for a living and 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 you know we're trying to sell people on the idea of composting. Now I'm have to look deeper into it and get me a bin in in my garage. <laughs> it, it's really you know it's really transformative because you see the worms like the idea maybe at the beginning is like ooh but then it's like wow you see the worms so they're in food scraps and paper it's aerobic meeting with oxygen it doesn't smell like rotting food and then the worms convert that paper and that those banana peels and whatnot into soil and you can. You can't watch it happen because they don't like the light. But, you know, over time, three to five months, the worms convert all that material. Then you have this super rich, like you can look at that and it looks like beautiful, rich soil versus dirt. You know, that's kind of like they're growing stuff in it that's on the fields. But it's like, that's where my food comes from. When you look at that black gold, it's like, wow, that looks, it's even just looking at it side by side you can see that you would want your food to, it's like, yeah, I won't get into the whole thing. You said you had no more questions. <laughs> no, no. I'm, now I'm curious to like, who was like, who thought of like, Hey, let's take some worm poop and, you know, and put it on our plants and see if it grows. You know, like I'm, I'm that type of person. Like I got to get deeper into it. Like who, who thought that? Oh, this you know? is old. <laughs> this, this goes way, way back. This is way, way. Back. I know, I know. Probably you know since the beginning of a freaking time. But it's like, who thought that? I mean, I'm gonna get this little worm poop and add it to my plants and then see, see what it does. You know, like no, you know what it was? It was probably a, a compost pile. And then the worms came and then they found the worms and they're like, Hey, look at the worms in here. Right. Right. Maybe yeah. we can harness that. I don't, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm the one that looks at, uh, weird stuff. Like there's, there's these things called rambutans and in, in Mexico it's, it's one of my favorite fruits. Oh, I can eat a whole bunch of them and get sick. And they're like hot pink with spiky things on them and it's like who was the first person to say hey i'm gonna go up on this tree and grab it and see see if i can eat it because you know right. I'm, you know i'll be like i'm scared to eat it i'm gonna, it, who wants to eat it like look at that thing it looks yeah, like an alien it looks poisonous you know so you know it's just it's just stupid stuff like that that i think about <laughs> i do too i love that i think that's the that's the entrepreneur brain where you're thinking about yeah, well how did that how did that come it about never ends. it never freaking ends and yeah that's awesome it's <laughs> that awesome all right kathy tell people where they can find you 
So my worm website is kathyscomposters.com, Kathy with a C, and my laughter page is kathysclub.com. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a free laughter club every Tuesday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 30 minutes of super fun self-care. I incorporate tapping, brain gym, qigong, all kinds of energy modalities just to help people get out of stress and into joy. Like come experience the magic of laugh, laughing for the health of it. Okay, yeah, that sounds that sounds really exciting. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening or watching. My name is Elise Robinson with the Nobody Wants to Work Though podcast. And until next time.